Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Just Cause podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by the Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Henry, and throughout this brand new podcast series, I'll be speaking to some amazing people doing incredible work to support Just Causes across Northern Ireland. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with Northern Irish charities to learn more about the very important work that they do, how much money they need to raise annually to keep the charities going and how they've been affected by the recent global pandemic. So wherever you get your podcast from, remember to keep an eye out for the new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Ethna and Colin Bell from the Kevin Bell Repatriation Trust. Thanks for coming in, guys. You're welcome. So before I begin, and I'm sure many of our listeners are already familiar with um, this fantastic charity, but just a little bit of background for those who aren't. The Kevin Bell Repatriation Trust aims to alleviate the financial hardship of bereaved families repatriating the body of a loved one who has died abroad in sudden or tragic circumstances back to Ireland. Having lost their son, Kevin, tragically whilst in New York in 2013, Colin and Ethna were faced with the challenge of bringing Kevin home to be laid to rest. Whilst Kevin's employer paid for his return to Ireland, the support the Bells received from the local community allowed them to support families who find themselves in the same position. Thus, the trust was created to provide financial assistance to bereaved families to repatriate the body of a loved one who died outside of Ireland and to create a permanent legacy to their beloved son, Kevin. The Trust has long been praised for the selfless nature of its work, wanting nothing in return other than the repatriation of bereaved families and loved ones. So, Etha, thank you very much for joining us today, and you, Colin. So, just as well with all of our guests, just a little bit of um, of information about yourselves, how you're keeping, um, a little bit about your family, and um, we'll then get into the details about the organisation. Well, thanks very much, Sarah, for inviting us down here. Not at all. And um, as Colin would always say, he thinks it's important to give a background on the family, yeah. just so people sort of know where we stand in Uri. Like, um, I always say I feel sorry for anybody who doesn't live in Uri. I think it's a fabulous town. Yeah. So our families have been involved here for years, like Colin's daddy, John. Bell was VP up in the Abbey Primary School, and his mummy, Kathleen, worked in the, or she taught in Sacred Heart Grammar School. And she also produced the shows for the New York Musical Society. And then my mummy and daddy, Arthur Morgan, he was one of the founder members of the Credit Union in Newry. And mummy, she was secretary of the FISH, the music secretary of the FISH. Well then, of course, Colin was very much involved in football and sport. Yeah. And he's also, he was also a teacher up in the Abbey Primary School. And I was a nursery assistant in St. Patrick's and in Clog Nursery and um, very much involved with drama, musical society, Bosco, pantomime, Newpoint. And then, of course, the children, they mm-hmm. sort of got involved as well. Now, um, Colin and myself, we were married in July 84. And then in May 85, we were delighted to have Sean and Kira. Mm-hmm. And then we were shocked to hear that in the following year that I was expecting another set of twins. <laughs> so in July 86, Kevin and Brenton were born. And then after that came Eamon, Connor and Maeve. And Maeve was born in April. And then the following May, Sean and Kerr were only turning six. So with seven children under the age of six. Wow. <laughs> All a very close family. 
There was yeah. never a single child in the house, so there was mm. never the chance of anybody being spoiled. Yes. And then, of course, they were all educated in Cloud Primary School, which was brilliant because, as a family, there were none going through the school. And then, whenever they went on to their second level of education, you know, they branched out, mm-hmm. they made plenty of friends, mm-hmm. but always had their good friends from Clog as well. They were all very outgoing, mm-hmm. always very happy, and they used to, um, I would have helped with the selling the raffle tickets and whatever, doing organising the raffle for the pantomime. So the children came along and they yeah. were selling raffle tickets along with the McCaffrey children, and oh, they had every year, they had great sport, great mm-hmm. fun running round the town hall. They were also very much involved in sport and football and hurling. And um, then, of course, with Irish dancing as well. That's Kelly right. dancing, set dancing, which involved them in the score. And whenever you think all these interests just widen their scope, mm-hmm. widen their variety of friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened whenever Kevin died, because we were so active, because they were so active Everybody seemed to come together mm-hmm. and, of course, shocked and devastated mm-hmm. to hear about Kevin. But everybody just came together to yeah. help support us. Yeah. And I will say to listeners, just as Ethna speaks, <laughs> not only did you have your hands full with your own family, but you opened up your doors to, to so many other families, myself and my brother being among them. Yes. And yeah. having really been brought up in the same place the same housing area and um you looked after us for quite some time and we were all very very close with both your family and your extended family for years and years and years so it is i've i i know what you're saying and really i mean the community your whole family both the young college so integrated as well and involved in so many things and kevin was no exception in terms of just when you say irish dancing that's what i think of it he was so talented and so good and just so popular and so you know so Definitely, um, at least, you know, the, the support there. But as you said, the shock never, uh-huh. I mean, it went away. And I'm yeah. sure to this day, you're just still dealing with that. Yeah, so. and funny, different people will always say to me that they remember the night of the um, the quiz in the canal court. Kevin was killed on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then on the Tuesday, they said that the never believe the crowds that were in the canal mm-hmm. court there was no sitting area anywhere yes. they were sitting on the steps all over the place yeah. but it it was unbelievable the, the support we got at the time yeah and then i mean the organization the kevin bell repatriation trust started up quite soon after that um in terms of I suppose that came from the support that you received as well. And that was really the idea. If you want to maybe fill in listeners about how the fantastic charity came about and maybe how you you thought about it and how you got the wheels in motion. Well, actually, I suppose it came about more by accident. Uh, as Ethna was saying, when Kevin was killed, the, the whole of Newry went into a frenzy of fundraising to bring Kevin home. She mentioned the quiz organised by Edna O'Rourke on the on the Tuesday night, and there was forty two thousand pounds raised on that one night, and on the Thursday night there was the fun run and the walk, and it raised over twenty thousand pounds, and then people were doing bag packs, uh, big breakfasts, anything they mm-hmm. could. And of course, there were other fundraisers. There was a fundraiser in New York and there's a fundraiser in Australia 
for Kevin at all. So, I mean, but all in all, there was, I think there was, a, in the region of £150,000 wow. raised to bring Kevin home. Now, uh, about a week after Kevin's death, or Kevin's funeral, we heard of a young fellow from Caridov had been killed in Thailand. So we re reached out to the family and said, look, we have this money, we'll pay to bring your son home. And then the following week, there was a, a young fellow from Sligo was was killed in Las Vegas, and again mm. we reached out, and this went. This was going week on week, really, because unfortunately it does happen so often. It really does. And uh, so then we decided, look, we would make this Kevin's legacy, and we uh, applied for charitable status and received it. It wasn't easy. It took mm -hmm. us over a year to get charitable sta status. And we had a meeting with the department of, with the minister for the diaspora in, in Dublin. It was Jimmy Deenan at the time. And uh, as a result of, of that meeting, uh, every embassy and consulate in the world were given our contact details. Mm. And so now, if, if even if somebody if somebody dies and the family get the terrible news and they, they, they contact the Department of Foreign Affairs, they'll be given our number and then we can take it from there. Okay, so that's such uh, an amazing resource. And that's what we were going to ask as well, just how it actually works in practice. And I will say, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I've actually seen how it works, being in your house at one stage when Colin actually received a call. And, you know, just out of interest, and we knew what it was about. We had an idea without knowing the details. And your whole demeanour just changes and you take the call and you're in a different mode completely. And it seems to be providing every aspect of support you know and that you just took the call I'm not sure who it was I can't remember but it was somebody obviously a young person abroad and you were dealing with either a family member or some contact but just to kind of receive that call must you know each time you know take it out of you you, you both of you or anybody working within the organization I'm sure it's something you never get used to but from a logical you know what's the first kind of practical support you know is that what they're they're looking for because I know you go beyond that but absolutely well well to be honest uh, well we went through the same situation so you get the news that that your loved one has died and mm -hmm. so what do you do who do you contact where do you go mm -hmm. and i think that's you know as well as as financially i think that's a big part of what we do is that if, if a family contacts us then we can say look we'll take it out of your hands you don't mm -hmm. have to do any more we will do whatever it takes to get your loved one home, and of course we'll pay for it. So I think that you know, uh, I think that's that's uh, as important as the money yeah, that absolutely. we're able to, to help families that way. Because I'm sure they just don't know where to turn to, and because you don't know where you're going to get a call from, it could be anywhere in the world. I guess you encounter different barriers, and you know, depending on who you're speaking to, or <coughs> what kind of you know arrangements you need to. To put in place so you've probably learned a lot about the various processes and you know what's involved yourself yeah well obviously i mean we've taken so many we've taken now this week we're 997 people wow we have brought home or, or we're, we're actually dealing with four or five at the minute that'll right. bring the number up to 997 unfortunately next week we know it'll we will hit the 1,000 mark because there, there isn't a week that goes by that there isn't we a don't week. get a call. Right, no. gosh. We have built up so many contacts. Yes. 
We're like, if somebody dies in Sydney, it'll only take one phone call. Mm-hmm. Melbourne, New York, San Francisco, yeah. Thailand, whatever, you know. Uh, the, there's only real real difficulty if it's a new country, like yeah. where we would have to source an undertaker. But then, of course, you do have the advantage of, of uh, being able to mm-hmm. contact the Department of Foreign Affairs yeah. and, and get consular assistance. Okay. You know, so... So you've built up that um, connection there as well. I suppose, like you said, just seem to be very busy. I mean, if this is happening every week, I'm sure it just seems to be full, like hands on. But I suppose the good thing is that globally, the organisation, people have really latched onto it. And the support is global. I mean, it's from Australia to America, all over. You just see constantly on social media how Gaelic teams abroad or people are just raising money. I saw something recently in America, some big fundraising event in New York was going ahead. I can't I can't remember exactly what it was, but it must be comforting just to to know that that's all going on behind the scenes. And I wonder how maybe COVID do you feel has impacted both your work and maybe kind of the fundraising element of things. Well, uh, with regard to fundraising, obviously, so many fundraisers have had to be cancelled. Yeah, you know, but having said that, we are still getting tremendous support and we're not in any panic situation and we'll ride out the storm uh-huh. uh, we're not looking for extra help from anybody we're, we're quite lucky that people do so much fundraising for us and yeah. as you said I mean uh, when Kevin died and we decided to, to set up the charity we did one fundraiser mm-hmm. which was the, the down 94 team against the Meath, 94 All-Ireland team. And that's the only fundraiser we ever did. Right. Because after that... People took it into their own hands yes. to support. It's exactly. just the way we saw it and, you know, just from the very outset and knowing how the charity developed, it's just startling to see how it, it took off in terms of, as you said, the fundraising takes on a life of its own and people just really want to stand behind it. And I wonder, is that because... A lot of, um, you know, the people that you bring home were also involved in road traffic accidents as well. And that's something that, you know, we all know somebody, um, whether it's a close family member or somebody else who's been affected. And that makes people want to rally behind it. And also the fact that it's not just money you're given, as you said, it's that kind of background support. Funny, I was just saying to it's surprising um, how much empathy we can have with so many people. Mm-hmm. Because like even going back in our family history, Colin lost his brother Declan mm-hmm. at the age of 34 to cancer. Yes. I lost my brother Michal through suicide. Then my auntie Maura Rankin, she was murdered. That's right. On Christmas morning. And then Kevin was killed. And then, of course, Paul. My nephew Paul. Yeah. Your great my friend. My good friend. Yeah. Paul, he was killed in San Francisco. Oh. So, like, it's unbelievable that no matter what situation, whether mm. suicide, murder, sudden death, and we have taken all. Yeah. All these types of things, all these types of people home. Yes. Back to their loved ones that, you know, you can sort of tick a box with them and mm-hmm. say, unfortunately, we do know how you're feeling. Yeah. And you do. It's real. Gone through that. It's authentic. And everyone's still going through it. And again, Paul, like Kevin, you know, yeah. a popular, loved oh. person, my good, good, good friend. Yes. Yeah. And just to see how you were involved in that and the tragedy that that was for all of us and his, his family. Yeah. And yet and all, you know, you were there as well, working away. And I mean, it just really stands to you and the, the organisation as well. And I mean, before it, you, you didn't really think of the numbers as much. It's only when you look at 
the figures that you mentioned today, Colin, you realise, my goodness, what were people doing? You know, the, the tragedy, the effort behind the scenes that goes involved in bringing each person back. So it really, it's it's going to be there forever. I mean, this service, God, you know, you couldn't, yeah. you know, yeah. it, and the fact that the government as well, you know, you've contacts there with the Department of Foreign Affairs, I'm sure similarly with the UK de- departments as well, you know, they must value it and recognise the services that you, that you, you know, provide. It's just startling and then I think as well you both being from Newry and you've mentioned your family so integrated it's a great town we'll call it a town for fundraising and for support so generous Uh, it it was just totally amazing we were gobsmacked uh, uh, with what what the reaction to people uh, the people had when Kevin was killed Kevin was well known about the town he wasn't he wasn't a quiet sort of boy oh he was, he's a great character he's a bit of a character alright and enjoyed the crack. yeah and uh, but Newry is unreal I mean there it is a, a totally Newry charity uh, yeah because every every one of our trustees are all you know I could I would, I would nearly name them all I, I would like to name them all because they all are, are so good to us, you know, and they're all friends. Uh, yeah. They're contemporaries, friend, actually friends of Kevin and friends of ours. And they, they uh, are just amazing. Yeah. And the support they are for us and, and, and the skill set among them, like we have mm-hmm. Brent and Jackson from the Credit Union. Yes, Brenton. We have uh, uh, Marty, Marty Carr. Uh, and all these people with with financial backgrounds, which is very necessary for us, and and keeping ourselves right with yeah. both sets of of char- you know the charity regulators in the south and the charity reg- commission in the north, and then as I say, Marty was a big friend of of Kevin's, uh, Aidan O'Rourke, a friend of ours, uh, Damien Roddy, uh, James McCaffrey. James McCaffrey uh, all great, Kevin Haney. You know, yeah. Kevin Haney, yeah, all either friends of ours or yeah, or friends of Kevin's, and and they're so supportive. And, so and it's a real community effort oh, yeah. from the outset, yeah. 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 And then to have it reach globally, <coughs> there's people, Nuri people are scattered all over the world, obviously. So it's it's nice to see people wearing the KBRT, the Gaelic jersey. Are they still available, by the oh, way? Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. people yeah. can still. That's great because that's a real great, even from marketing and awareness point of view. You know, to get the the message out there. So um, and just I imagine the families that do you know, receive your services and support. Um, how do you find, do they continue to become part of the charity in the sense that they continue to maybe fundraise or do you find that that's a common occurrence that they kind of give back at some stage? Oh, yeah. Families who do are helping the next family. Exactly. And the next family and the next family. Yeah. And, and, and Ethna will tell you, you know, the friendships. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Great friendship. We've actually been to weddings because we were in a wedding in Portugal. Young fella, um, oh, Horace no. McDermott, was killed. Actually, his fifth anniversary will be next Wednesday, 25th wow. of November. And um, he had just been in Australia for God. a couple of weeks. And he was tragically killed. And his do- his sister was getting married. And we were invited to her wedding in Portugal. Mm-hmm. We've re- There's a great friendship there yeah. with the McDermott's. 
Um, we've also made great friends in Sligo with the Bradys in Sligo. Um, all throughout, and right. there's yeah. all throughout, no matter that where is, you go. Yeah, it's just it's a very unique organisation in yeah. that sense, yeah. you know. And like we've been so lucky to meet with brilliant charities the past few weeks, and we've more to come. And every organisation is so different, and you don't really know what's involved until you actually meet with the people and those who are working in it. But KBRT is definitely you know, out there on its own in terms of the friendships, the relationships, the support. I wasn't aware you'd that many trustees as well and people helping behind it, which is just fantastic. So <clears throat> just, I suppose, going forward, I mean, it's been a horrible year for many, many people, 2020. And I suppose it doesn't stop the services that you have to provide. I mean, life continues and, of course, tragedy occurs abroad and it'll probably, you know, continue. But just... um taking account of this year has it affected your your vision have you any future plans maybe for the the charity next year when things hopefully start to hope open up again and pick up around maybe fundraising or events or you know yeah well the strange thing about it is well not the strange i suppose i mean as we say as i said we didn't set out to to start a charity sure. it, it's sort of and we are sort of growing with the charity and you uh, can't say sort of that you have plans yeah, yeah. it's organic it's it just comes yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have to do maybe legislation says you have to do something so you have to learn about that i so see well yes. i don't learn about it i give it to britain <laughs> that's know. what they're there for yeah <laughs> you know but uh, as i say it's it's i mean it's basically very simple you know it's not it's not a, it's not that we can sort of expand what we do it's mm -hmm. what we do is we take loved ones home mm -hmm. who die abroad yeah and and we will just continue to do that you know yeah and just i suppose each time you do it i guess mother and father i mean you must be reminded of your own your own tragedy and your own um you know with kevin i suppose and anyone else that you know how do you i suppose find do you find any comfort in knowing that you know this is the legacy is there and it is going on to help people or how do you do you manage um, dealing with the calls that come through in that respect from your own kind of emotional perspective? Well now Colin takes all the calls and then but whenever you're listening in the background you're saying oh my god goodness there's another family yeah. god love them they're only starting out on the journey mm -hmm. um, it's and every single one has its own story mm -hmm. and every single one it's a new family that's starting out and I hope that whenever we would meet the families that um, you can give them some sort of encouragement to say there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like you, you will get over this. You'll learn how to live with it. Mm -hmm. There'll always be a corner in your heart. Mm -hmm. And of course, you experience that very soon after with your having to support your own sister, which is just really doesn't bear thinking about that the family had, you know, only a couple of few months later, really that, you know, you had to do it all again in such close proximity with your wonderful you know, mm -hmm. nephew, which just yeah. must have just hit you, knocked you for six, really. Um, you know, so, but I suppose for all of us who knew Kevin, um, you know, it is a wonderful reminder of just him. And you, you do think of the positive side when you think of him as this oh, vibrant, sure. he would love you know, <laughs> Gabby. Um, I, yeah. The last time I met him, we were chatting in one of the bars in Uri and Paul, yeah. his um, his cousin was there as well. Yeah. So it was just, that was the last time. Yeah. And it was just talking 
crazy, you know, just yeah. so it's that kind of you just that's what you think of the two of them for me, knowing the two the two uh, family two members. Full just of fun. Life Craig. fun and just good good people, good souls. Yeah. You know, so this is definitely just to bring that forward and that people mm-hmm. still know, you know, um about the charity. Mm-hmm. And you must be so proud. Um and you know, the trustees, the people you mentioned there are just fantastic work. So the purpose of this podcast as well is to raise awareness. And, you know, as we mentioned, a lot of people are already very familiar with the Kevin Bell Repatriation Trust. But again, it's difficult times for all organisations, businesses, charities, everybody. So really, this is really to put a focus on there. And we will have a donation page on our website for people to donate. But we will also, um, you know invite people to get creative I suppose and just keep the momentum going and you're already doing fantastic work Nuri's proud of of both of you and um, of the charity as well so thank you so much to the two of you for coming in today you're more than welcome thanks thank you sir it's lovely to come in this podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how Granite Podcast Studio can help Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.